everyone, my name is Amanda. I'm the host of People of Auburn. We have a very special guest on today with um, David Housel. Uh, I'm also joined by a friend of mine, Carter. I had to get some support for some Auburn knowledge since I, y'all know my story. Anyway, so we're so excited to have Coach Housel on here. I call him Coach Housel because you like that so much. But Coach Housel, why don't you I tell like us? that. You did. I said You're that one time. You're the only person who's ever called me Coach Housel. I said that one <laughs> there'd time. There would be a lot of coaches and be insulted if they knew you were calling me Coach Housel. I don't know why. I felt like it fit, though. Because, it, like, Mr. Housel sounded so, like, formal, if that makes sense. I don't know. I just, just like plain old David would work just fine. I don't. My mom would get mad at me if I. Well, your mom's not here. Yeah, right? that's true. I'll go with David. I I, I think that, David? that works for me. That's good. Okay, that's fine. Whatever. Okay, so how's your day been, Coach Housel? I've had a pretty good day, uh, except for the difficulty getting over here from the parking deck. I know. Uh, I had had a great breakfast at Jappy's this morning. Chris Stewart, the broadcaster and the voice of Alabama basketball, came by, and we had a good long visit, and some Auburn friends of mine came in, and Alabama people, you know, just dropped by and say hello, that kind of thing, back booth at Chappies. And uh, the Alabama people were awed to have Chris there, and the Auburn people behaved, so we had a good visit. It's been a good day. Well, so how, how long have you known Chris Stewart, and obviously have you— been in contact with him because he's obviously gone through his yeah. his health his health issues. his health issues here in the past year. I have probably known Chris since the mid eighties. Uh, I wouldn't see him off and on. And the thing that impressed me about Chris was he was such a sincere person. Mm. He wanted to get better. He 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 really tried at what he was doing and wanted to get better. And you know you like to see young people like that succeed. I'm very proud of Chris, and uh, you know the fact that he works in Alabama doesn't matter one iota. Mm-hmm. In fact, he's a good guy and he's doing well. Yes, sir. I got you, Coach Elsa. Could you briefly say, real quick, what your like when you graduated Auburn, where you grew up, what you did for athletics for those of us who don't know? Well, I grew up in a little town called Gordo, Alabama. Uh, over in Pickens County, next to the Mississippi line. It's 25 miles the other side of Tuscaloosa. So I had to come through the Tuscaloosa and the University of Alabama every time I went home and came back to Auburn. Uh, why did I come to Auburn instead of going to Alabama, which was so close? I think it probably had to do with the fact that I wanted a good education. <laughs> I'm kidding when I say that, <laughs> Uh, but that used to get a lot of good laughs in alumni association meetings. Ours, not theirs. <laughs> and uh, I came here as a student on June the 9th, 1965. Graduated in August of 69. Went to work at Huntsville News for about nine months. Came back here in April of 1970 and have been here ever since. Retired in 2006 after 36 years with the university. In that time, I was ticket manager in the athletic department, journalism instructor and advisor to the Plainsman for about nine years, ten years, something like that. Went back in the athletic department as assistant sports information director, sports information director, and retired as athletic director. So I've had a broad and varied (laughs) experience in Auburn. 
most of it good. What's been the biggest change in Auburn from the time that you first got here to now? You. <laughs> the students have gotten so damn much younger. <laughs> no, the, the campus has changed so much. Uh, I noticed they're about to tear down the hill dorms. When I came here, they were new, and everybody was so proud of them. <laughs> now they're, you know, going to tear them down. Uh, my senior year, they opened uh, uh, what is now Beard Eve Memorial Coliseum, and now they're saying it's outlived, it's useful, and mm-hmm. so they're going to tear it down at some point. Well, I'm older than both of those. I hope they don't tear me <laughs> down at some point. I think, the, 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 as would be natural, the, the campus facility is uh, the buildings and, and that kind of thing would be the biggest change. Uh, yes, the students have changed. Uh, yes, the faculty's changed. Uh, I would hope uh, that Auburn has not lost its friendliness, that human touch that separates Auburn from other institutions of higher learning. I, hope, I would hope it hadn't lost that. But I think as it has gotten bigger, it has lost some of it. When I came, Auburn was a relatively small place, and you pretty much knew everybody, and everybody knew you. Um, but growth and size is, is inevitable. So I think size is a big thing, and with size comes new buildings, that kind of thing. But I hope they hadn't lost the human touch, which cultivates sympathy and understanding with my fellow man. I think you can get a great education wherever you go. But I think at Auburn, that great education is endowed with the human touch. And I'm not sure you get that everywhere. And by human touch, some people would say the Auburn spirit. and I wouldn't disagree with that. Mm-hmm. Coach Hazel, you just said, like, is, is that your favorite line of the creed? What's your favorite line of the creed? What, which line resonates with you the most? I don't know that I have a favorite line. It's a very uh, common essay that you get as a student. They'll ask you to pick a line of the creed and explain why it's your favorite. Well, I think there'd probably be two if you if you pin me down. Uh-huh. Uh, one would be, I believe, in work, hard work. Mm-hmm. But overall, I think you're right. I mean, it probably would be, I believe, in the human touch. So over your time here at Auburn, how would you, what would you say Auburn has come to mean to you? Everything. I hate to think about where my life would be, where I would be if it wasn't for Auburn. Uh, I would have probably had a good life had I gone somewhere else, had I chosen another job, career path. But uh, I wouldn't trade my life for anybody's. I wouldn't trade it for Brad Pitt's or (laughs) any of those guys. You know, that's the thing about it. Here I am talking to two young people. I don't even know who your references are now. Um, you should, Brad wife, Pitt is, is still Brad around. Pitt is still He's very still relevant. My wife he just won an Robert, Oscar this past weekend. Yeah, I saw that. My <laughs> wife loved Robert Redford. And I look at when he was young, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. My wife, I looks at him now. He's, damn, he's old like I am. <laughs> he looks worse than I do. But um, um, what was your question? That's what another is, thing about us old people. We forget <laughs> the question. It was, what does Auburn mean to you? Oh, what does Auburn mean to me? Um, everything. Mm-hmm. Everything. Um, 
Okay, this next thing, I kind of want to, you can start Coach Housel, but I want you to say the story of how you chose to come to Auburn for undergraduate. And then I want Carter to say, like, why you chose Auburn. And then I'll say mine, which is probably you really talk, different you, than the other ones. Are you talking about the uh, Auburn-Alabama game media guide story? Yes. Well, that's not a story. That's truth. Yeah. <laughs> I saw my first Auburn-Alabama game in 1956. I was 10 years old. Uh, my daddy was going to the ball game, said he wouldn't be home for lunch because he was going to the ball game in Birmingham, Auburn, Alabama. And I asked him if I could go with him. And he said, well, we don't have a ticket. And I didn't understand why I couldn't go just because he didn't have a ticket. And uh, in my little town, you can go up to the gate on Friday night and get a ticket and go, go to the ball game. And he said, this was different. This was bigger, and you had to have a ticket. So I pouted a little bit. I don't guess I cried, but I pouted. And about 9 o'clock, the phone rang, and my mother said, your daddy wants to know if you still want to go to the ball game." And I said, yeah. And he said, well, be down at the store, hardware store, uh, within an hour, and you can go. A good Alabama man named Ralph McCafferty, uh, was not going, and he let Daddy have his two Auburn-Alabama tickets. Now, one of the reasons Ralph probably didn't go was because Alabama had won one or two games that year, and Auburn was, you know, pretty good. Auburn beat him 34-7. to I'll never forget the excitement in that stadium, the, the people, biggest crowd I'd ever seen. And this was 56. The Auburn-Alabama game was less than eight years old. And the city of Birmingham went out of the way to make it special. On the Auburn side of the field, they had a tiger from the Birmingham Zoo riding around in a cage. On the Alabama side, they had an elephant from the Birmingham Zoo decked out in red and white. And in every fence post around the field, there were big bouquets of mums, either red and white or orange and blue. And this old boy, he ain't never seen nothing like that. Uh, I remember there were two drunks. First time I ever remember seeing a drunk, there were two drunks sitting right down in front of us. And they were actually flying. And I said, Daddy, what's wrong with those guys? He said, son, don't pay attention to him. And uh, I finally figured out years later they were drunk. Uh, I remember also, and this is probably more than you want to know, Okay. I remember being so impressed. There was a military man sitting just to the right of me. And uh, when they played the national anthem, I'll never forget how straight he stood and how, how, how the effectiveness of his salute. That made a big impression on me. Well, after all this, I wrote to the Alabama Polytechnic Institute Athletic Department, which was what Auburn's official name was then. Yes, I do And know. then I wrote to the University of Alabama wanting information on their football teams. And um, Alabama sent me a media guide, which I still have, and a bill for a dollar or two dollars, whatever. And Auburn sent me a media guide with a note thanking me for being an Auburn fan. And there was a certain warmth, a certain human touch, if you will, uh, to the Auburn note, thanking me for being an Auburn fan. And just, they wanted me. They needed me. They cared about me more than Alabama did. 
Alabama got their $2, but Auburn got my heart. Now, there are some who say I came mighty cheap, and I did. But uh, that one person taking time to write a note to a little 10-year-old boy that she never knew would never meet made all the difference in my life. Little things do matter. And I'll tell you something else. When I was sports information director and when I was athletic director, we got a lot of those letters from little, little kids, boys and girls. And every one of them was answered and every one of them got something special because of the effect it had on me and I wanted Auburn to continue to have that effect on young people. Mm -hmm. Okay, Carter, you're up. You had to follow. So I picked Auburn. Well, so on my mom's side, I guess I'm a fourth generation Auburn student. On my dad's side, I'm, I'm, I'm a second generation. But I knew I wanted to go play baseball. And I was going to go play baseball at Tulane uh, down in New Orleans. Roll wave. And, yeah. Roll green wave, roll down the field. When those green banks start through the line, they're bound for victory. Let's hear you do that, girl. <laughs> but, uh, Did you know that was a Tulane song? No. I just know yeah. that they're with you, wave. I didn't know that either. <laughs> yeah. Y'all are old enough to know that, <laughs> and why I know it. Um, but I ended up deciding that Tulane wasn't quite the place for me, uh, and so then I was looking to come play somewhere closer to home, so my so my grandfather could could see me play. And uh, Auburn had already filled up, and to be honest with you, I wasn't the biggest fan of Auburn's current coach at the time, which is not our current coach. I love our current coach now. Who was your coach then? Sonny Galloway. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so I wasn't, I wasn't the biggest fan, to be honest with you. And uh, so how I, was, many, I was. How many years was Sonny here, too? Was he here two or three? I don't know. He, he always treated me nice, but I, there's. A lot of people didn't care for him. A lot of people don't care for him. You apparently one of them. He wasn't as as warm and friendly as Coach Pulowski and and Butch are now. Moving right along. <laughs> <laughs> we don't uh, want to say anything and get sued. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, but I was either going to go to Alabama or Sanford. Uh, I'd known. I'd known Coach Thompson for a long time, uh, back from when he was here the first time as a pitching coach, and then obviously things played out the way they did. The Auburn job comes open, Butch comes here, and I decided that I wanted to come play for Butch. Um, and so I and Auburn already filled up, so I decided to walk on and didn't get very far into my baseball career until I tore up my shoulder for the third time and I had to had to give it up into my freshman fall, but uh, that's that's kind of why I came to Auburn, because I knew I wanted to play baseball, and I knew that I loved Auburn, and Auburn was a part of my life for, I mean, I remember coming to Auburn games as long as I can remember. I actually got lost at, I think Auburn was playing Syracuse back in like the early, early 2000s. I got lost in the stadium 
and I got separated from my mom. And I want to say, traumatic. Stacy Danley picked me up and put me on on his shoulders and found my parents, and that's and that's that's how my parents found yeah. me at, at that game or something. I, I think you that's who like it was. Handsome and Gretel. Maybe they didn't really find you. But yeah, and so that's that's why I came to Auburn. Good story. Yeah, mine is totally different. I think you'll appreciate it, though. I didn't know anything about Auburn except this is where Bo Jackson went to school. I remember listening to the kick six call because we were driving in the car back from Gulf Shores because that's where we did Thanksgiving. And so I remember the kick six, but like that's all I knew about Auburn. We came here on a visit on a whim because my dad went to A&M and he had a buddy down here who was like, I can hook you up with tickets if you like want to make it a college visit. We came to the Auburn A&M game. My dad was, everyone in my family except me was like in all A&M gear because my dad's a big, big fighting Texas Aggie. And so we came and it was just really, I just really loved it. But it was the first college I visited. It was my junior year. So I didn't really know what I was looking for. And I just basically after that, I kept comparing every other school to Auburn. And so I could, I was between Auburn and University of Texas which again would have been like closer to home. And if I had gone to Texas, I would have joined this sorority and have been in this really good college. And I wouldn't have wanted to be a Texas Silver Spurs sweetheart and all this stuff. But for some reason, Auburn kept like tugging in the back of my mind. And so I sort of came here. There weren't that many people from my high school here. I had to kind of do it on my own, but I'm so grateful I did. And it's, uh, yeah, Auburn has my heart now too, Coach Housel. But Well, we're glad you decided to come. Glad both of you decided Yeah. To come. Well, she kind of had a chance. He didn't. A choice. He didn't. Yeah. So your dad was a big Aggie? Yeah. My dad went to A&M, and my mom went to a really small um, all-female college in Virginia. A&M won that game that day, didn't they? They did win that game. I know. But we won last year's. Wait, was that? Oh, that was. 2017. That was not Manziel's year. No, it wasn't. 2017. Yeah. Huh. I'm trying to think. Did we lose that game? Yeah. The away, um, it was the you know the away team wins. Yeah, you know, that yeah that's when the, the the away team would always win. Last year, last uh, year, year before last, uh, 2018 was the first time was the home first team time won. the home team had won. And we <laughs> had very out. little chance at one, at one point to win that yeah. game. Looked out. I remember no, watching. I don't, I don't know what looked out's right. But we were, it looked bad for most of the game. When you look at the box score, we shouldn't have won the game. <laughs> it was yeah. very lopsided towards their, towards their side, but we figured out a way to do it. Somebody said Jimbo's still scratching his head trying to figure out how they lost yeah. that Auburn game. It's very contentious in my house when we play each other. Like <laughs> this year when we won, my dad Did you go him. to the game? No, I didn't go. It was after Oregon or else I would have gone. I'm going to go senior you. year, though. But it took him two days before he texted me back. Like, I didn't text him anything. I was like, I know he's so upset. Well, your dad needs to grow up. (laughs) (laughs) So speaking of athletics, in your time uh, as the athletics director, what was, like, the most rewarding thing? And then what was the biggest challenge that you faced while being the AD? I think the most rewarding thing, one one incident kind of sums it up. It was on graduation day, and had this student athlete come and wanted to see me and trying to always be available. So I said, yeah, come on in, told my secretary. And he sat down at the table and he said, I just want to thank you. 
for making it possible for me to get a college education. I'm the first of my family to ever go to college, and uh, it's changed my life. That was the most meaningful thing. Now, that didn't happen every graduation day, mm-hmm. but it did happen three or four times, and every time it happened, you, you thought, well, you know, something good's happening here. Something good's happening here. Um, hardest part about it was dealing with people. Uh, staff members, coaches, assistant coaches, donors. Everybody tends to overestimate their importance to the, to the program, be it an employee, be it a coach, be it a student athlete, be it a donor. Um, everybody tends to think they're the most important wheel and cog in the wheel and that kind of thing. But, you know, it goes back. If you take your hand and stick it into a bucket of water, and take it out. You don't see where, you, where it makes any difference. People do That's make fair. a difference. I'm not saying that, but people have an inflated opinion of, of their worth. So in your time that you've been here, you've obviously spent a lot of time with two former coaches that I want to ask what your favorite story is about both of them. I want to start with Sonny Smith just because of the hilarious things that I've heard him say on our basketball broadcast. What's your favorite Sonny Smith story? I don't know that I have a favorite Sonny Smith story. I just love being around Sonny. Um, he and I have lunch every once a month mm-hmm. with, another, with some other Auburn people who used to work in the athletic department and, at WSFA TV in Montgomery he said he tells the same joke, same story over and over and over again, but it's still funny. Sonny is just uh, he's that's a, that's talent. Yeah, he's a breath of fresh air. Mm-hmm. He really is. Um, Sonny Smith's story, I, I guess it would be. I, I don't rem- really remember the details, but he chewed my butt out. If we weren't on the air, I'd say he chewed my ass out. Now, ass is in the Bible, King James version. But uh, Sonny chewed me out for something, and uh, he can get pretty get pretty rough when he gets mad. He doesn't remember what it was, and I hadn't thought about it for twenty years till you mentioned it. Mm-hmm. But what about what about Pat Dye? Now my favorite Pat Dye story is very in, easy to come by. We were playing Florida State in nineteen fifty seven. Uh, 1987, I'm sorry, 1987. We had a pretty good football team. Won the SEC championship. Played them up here um, in that, what Coach Stack called Amen Corner, Florida, mm-hmm. Georgia, Alabama. Mixed in there there somewhere. I want to say it was a week before the Alabama game, but that would be a bad time to be playing them. Oh, yeah. Might have been a week before the Georgia game. But at any rate, we were playing Florida State. They were pretty good. And um, Florida State had a reputation that year of being able to block kicks. Well, they came in there, and it was a close game, and we dropped back to punt in the north end zone. Game was on TV, and uh, nationwide TV, and they broke through and blocked our punt. Coach Die went berserk on that sideline. He was running up and down that sideline, yelling, hollering, screaming, he was using words I wouldn't dare put on a microphone. He invented words. He, was, he wasn't just angry or mad. He was just beside himself. Well, 
we lost the game. And uh, next Monday, he came down to my office and he sat down. And he always did that between staff meetings. And he sat down and said, what are we going to do about this? I said, about what? He said, this. And he put a piece of paper on my desk. And some little old lady from small town Alabama, well, when Coach Stye was inventing those words, he didn't realize there was a parabolic mic following him up and down the sideline. So every one of those words went out, not just to the Confederacy, but to the whole country. And on that Monday, he brought that letter from a little old lady. She said, you're an embarrassment to Auburn. You're an embarrassment to your mother, daddy. You're an embarrassment to the United States of America. If she'd have known who Donald Trump was, she'd have probably said, you're an embarrassment to Donald Trump, too. <laughs> Trump wasn't on the scene then. And Coach Stein was really catching it from our fans because of his profanity and his honesty, perhaps, uh, about the call. And I said, well, give me a chance to see you think about it. So I called. I knew what I wanted to say, but I called a minister friend of mine, Charles Britt. And I asked him where this particular quotation came from, and he told me. So I drafted a letter. The coach died. Dear Miss Smith, thank you for your letter regarding my conduct on the sideline during Saturday's Florida State game. I find myself in much the same situation the Apostle Paul must have found himself in when he said, The evil I would not do, I do. The good I would do, I don't do. Please accept my sincere apologies. Pat Dye, athletic director and football coach. So I took it down to Coach Dye's office. He was sitting there. He took that letter and he looked at it. Looked out over the top of his glasses. Read the letter again. Looked up at me and said, what the hell is an apostle? <laughs> I said, apostles write epistles, coach. <laughs> That's my favorite fat master. What the hell is an, an apostle? That's good. That's awesome. So I've also, so I'm, I'm a Fiji, and I've heard that you used to live at the Fiji house. I was a house mother at the Fiji house from 1970. Oh, I don't know, 19, eight years, nine years, 19, early 70s till 81. Yeah, I did. And what I'm was the, what say, was the, I'm not going to say anything about what did or didn't <laughs> happen there because that's fair enough. 40 yeah, years careful, ago. Carter. Don't, that, get, I mean, that, don't get your brotherhood in trouble. Well, that, that ruined my question of, what was your question? Well, it was, it was going to be, do you have a story from, do your I have experience? a story about living in the Fiji Island? <laughs> Maybe maybe it was here for off air off air story. They uh they uh, they they, you know, it was just, they were good kids. They 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 were there was they had a certain goodness about them. They were mm-hmm. wild, some of them were wild and rambunctious as they are now probably. Uh, some of them were, but by and large, uh, when it came down to it, they wouldn't rather light that one candle than curse all the darkness. Mm-hmm. But they did enjoy their youth. Which they should have. 
Yes, sir. Absolutely. I know a lot of them don't want their sons to do what they did. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Or daughters either. Coach yeah. <laughs> so what is your perfect day like? If you could describe your perfect day, what would it be? My perfect day would be to sleep late, 8 o'clock, 8.30, get up, clean up, either sit in my chair and read, eating cereal, or go to Chappie's and just, you know, read and maybe visit with some people. That's not a very exciting perfect day, but I'm an old man, and that's a pretty good day. Perfect day, you have to have some meaning to it. You have to be good for something. You know, and I'd like to accomplish something every day or feel like I paid my rent from my, my space on Earth, as <laughs> Muhammad Ali used to say. So as somebody who's worked in the journalism world and then came back to Auburn and taught in journalism, as a journalism major, what would be your advice to somebody going out into the field of journalism? Carter, I'm not qualified to give anybody any journalistic <laughs> advice anymore, and I'm not qualified at all because the journalism world has changed so much. What was taught to us as good journalism is not even, it's not even considered journalism anymore. With the, ad, with the advent of electronic media, be it television, be it the Internet, when I was in school and when I was teaching journalism, there wasn't, any, there wasn't anything that mattered but one thing and one thing only. And it was the only, only, only thing that mattered. Accuracy, accuracy, accuracy. Now, the most important thing is being first. Mm -hmm. First with a rumor, first with hearsay, getting on the air first. Get the attention. And that was that was that was that was the worst thing you could do when I was mm -hmm. teaching and when I was in school. But you look at it now, uh, and you you think how often the major networks, how often WSFA in Montgomery, we have unconfirmed reports that mm -hmm. it has been reported that. Well, what's that other than spreading a rumor? <laughs> that's just spreading a rumor, and that's sure. not what journalism is about. I mean, you see it with every breaking sports news story, even just normal news out yeah, there now. Yeah. Like, you saw an example would have been the inaccurate r reporting on the death of Kobe Bryant a couple weeks ago. You had people on confirmed reports all over the place, and then, it got, like, the truth comes out a few hours later. And I think in this day in journalism or in, in the news, or really in living in America, and whether you read papers, fewer and fewer people are doing that. But uh, myself, I never believe anything I read, and much less of what I hear. I read it, remember it, let it settle for about four or five days. Get, let, get the initial report out, rumor, innuendo, maybe some fact. Let it all get out there, let it settle down, and then see what corrections have come out, what different perspectives. And then if you consider everything four or five days later, then you arrive at what you think truth is. But um, now, you know, get the rumor out there, and if you're wrong, 
correct it mm-hmm. on the next show. But it is really distressing to unconfirmed reports. Uh, the, the anonymous source, that's always been a part of journalism. But now that's your main, your main source. Yeah. An anonymous, uh, you know, that's, that's not good. Mm-hmm. I think America... Uh, I think we know more and understand less than we have at any point in our history. We got more news, more information, but we understand less. Mm-hmm. You want to do trivia okay. time now? Trivia time? Okay, Coach Hals, are you ready for this? I digged up some trivia questions. I want to see if you can get them. I think you will. It's more just to see if I can get if Carter can get any of these right through. I well, have, like, I, like, like I said, if it's old stuff, uh-huh. I get it, <laughs> probably. But if it's new stuff, Carter's going to lay me down. I didn't get any new stuff for this purpose specifically. So most of it's related to football, but then I have some general questions about, like, Auburn University, if that makes sense. Far away. Far away. Okay, so we'll start with an easy one. What was the first bowl game that Auburn ever played in? Well, that's easy. That was the, uh, some people call it the Rumba Bowl. Some people call it the Bacardi Bowl. Uh, But it was, or the Cigar Bowl. It was in Havana, Cuba. Played Villanova to a tie. Uh, And that game was played right after a guy named Batista had had a revolution and overthrew the government. Uh, And then that was about 30, about 22 years later, Fidel Castro Castro overthrew Batista. Uh, Batista almost didn't let the game be played because having just won a revolution, he didn't want crowds and people together where they might have a counter-revolution. And he was not going to let the game be played until he had his picture in the program. And uh, when they played the game, they had armed soldiers around the field. Loaded guns. So... Next question. <laughs> okay. Auburn once appeared in the same bowl twice in the same Gator talent. Bowl. Yep. Same year. Playing in the same bowl in the same year, like on January the 1st and then December the 3rd. You know who we played? Well, you played uh, Texas Tech, played Texas Tech in one of them and uh, Baylor in the other one. Played Texas Tech first hmm. and then played Baylor. What about the scores? <laughs> Uh, I remember the one Auburn lost more than the one Auburn won. Now that's that's for my time. Um, Give us your guess for the one that we lost. Thirty-three to thirteen. That's close. Thirty-five to thirteen. Okay. It's very close. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. If have you got your book there, your source. Yeah. Thirty-three to thirteen. Uh, check the next year and see if Vanderbilt didn't beat us 33-13. We beat Baylor 33-13 okay. in December 31st. We That's lost fair. to Texas Tech, beat Baylor, yep. and then lost to Vanderbilt. Mm-hmm. Who coached the first Auburn game? The first Auburn game? Yep. That would be George Petrie. What? Do you know the score of that one? Auburn 10, Georgia nothing. Yep. February 1892. The Carter, you feel free to chime yeah, in. Yeah, did you not know that one, Carter? You know, um, not. I'm not quite as quick on on okay. those, but I think I could have gotten there. But he's he's a little he's sh- sharper fast. than me on those. 
Okay. I'm older than you are. <laughs> what are you majoring in, Carter? Uh, so I just graduated early in December, but I was a journalism major here. Well, I, you know what I'm saying about journalism. Mm-hmm. Did Absolutely. you work on the planes? I did not. I worked here at Weagle, and I worked over at the Auburn Sports Network, which is where I'm still oh, working. Yeah, okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. You're on the electronics side. Yes, sir. Nothing's wrong with that. <laughs> okay, this question is more for Carter, but like you'll appreciate the answer. So, Ralph Shug Jordan, when did he coach? Whoa, 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 whoa. What? Ralph Shug who? Jordan. All right. You don't worry. Jordan, don't let that Don't worry. Come don't worry. All right. Gotta keep when did he coach his last game? What year? Um, I know it's in the 70s. I think it's 77? 74. Oh. Oh, oh, oh. Coach Jordan coached his last game in November of 1975. That was 28-0 oh. lost to Alabama in Birmingham. I, okay, I miss I miss recorded something then. This is the game I'm talking about is the oh sorry, his last bowl game. Last bowl game. Yes. Okay, sorry. Carter. Take it away. Oh. Last bowl game. So it's seventy four. Yes. Honestly, I I can't tell you much about it. Hint yeah. now, you've already talked about We've that. We've already bowl. talked about this bowl. Already talked about the bowl. So it's the Gator Bowl. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh. Ding, 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 ding. And who did we beat, Coach Housel? We beat Texas 27 to 3. Carter hmm. doesn't like that I'm a grew up a Texas fan. So that was that was for him. I I mess with you about Texas sports. Yeah. I have to defend my state in the radio station. Mostly because Cowboys fans, if they win a given week, they're winning the Super Bowl that year. If they lose, <laughs> blow it all up and let's and let's rebuild the whole team. They're fans. <laughs> That's the way fans are. Fair. Fair. Rachel, do you know what the official names of the Auburn colors are? Burnt orange and navy blue. And what you all in this generation call burnt orange is not burnt orange. Burnt orange, the real original burnt orange, the Auburn... Well, it's burnt orange is like Texas is orange, except only darker. Mm-hmm. Now, what Auburn has is a, uh, they call it Auburn orange. Um, what's There's a special a, name for it. I'm going for the special name for our orange. Auburn orange. It's golden orange. Hmm. And ultramarine. The, uh, 1949. They in, what now? 1949. 1949, they added those colors to the seal. And it was ultramarine blue and golden orange. That's kind of like Florida colors. Yeah, I mean, well, I agree with you. Line, the, the Auburn, when they got all this trademark and licensing stuff, mm-hmm. uh, they couldn't get the right orange. And so they just created an orange and named it Auburn Orange. <laughs> and, you know, the, 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 what you see as Auburn Orange is not Auburn Orange. Speaking of orange, how do, I, what are your thoughts on a few years back changing the stripe on the helmet to a chrome orange? From the typical orange that it was. From a, to a chrome orange. Yeah, it's now like shiny on the helmets. So they didn't change the orange, they just changed the shininess of it? Kind of, yes, yeah. I see one half does the other. I, I never noticed it shiny or not. 
I just didn't know if you were. If, are you? Are you yeah, pro the the, the traditional Auburn jerseys, or did, would you be fine with Auburn yeah. changing up every now and then, That's like, like everybody else in the country does now? I'm an old man. I'm a traditionalist. Okay. You know, you tweak the jersey, okay, but God in heaven intended on Auburn to wear blue jerseys and home. <laughs> so you you weren't a fan of in the '70s when. We broke out the orange jerseys a couple times. I don't say I, I don't say I was not a fan. It was neat, it, but it wasn't. Mm-hmm. It was a, just a, a one-time thing. It wound up being three times. What about yeah. the uh, orange face mask? Nobody ever notices things like that. I mean, the jersey. I, I personally loved the, it. The jersey is the thing. <laughs> That's fair. Fair enough. I, I don't want to see all of them come out there in blue pants and. <laughs> Orange jerseys. I mean, God, could you imagine well, that? Well, the the picture of the agreement uh, with our second game next year in Atlanta, it leaves the door open for us to potentially wear an orange jersey. Which, but I don't think it's going to happen. Well, I tell you what, they better win it if they do it. <laughs> an orange jersey. Mm-hmm. It says. It says. The agreement says, like, North Carolina is allowed to wear a Carolina blue or uh, a black or a navy blue, I think. And then it says that Auburn's allowed to wear a white or an orange. All that means is Auburn's home team, uh, the visiting team. Yeah. Auburn's Mm -hmm. visiting team, right? They may wear orange. If they wear orange, I'll pull over North Carolina. (laughs) 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 No, I never do that. But, I mean, you know. All of that means is Auburn's visiting team. So how do you feel about the direction of Auburn athletics right now in terms of right now it's arguably the best time in all the major sports at once to be an Auburn fan? Uh, you know, yeah and no. Uh, there was a period of time back in the mid-'80s when Coach Style had football going and Sonny had basketball going and Hal Baird had baseball mm-hmm. going and Joe Tampy had women's basketball going. This is the best of the modern times. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can't argue that. No question. But to say it's the best ever, you never say the best ever because you, you're not in a situation to go back and, and realize how it was at that point in time. But it's pretty dadgum good and you're asking me that question the day after Auburn beat Alabama 95-91 in basketball and after they got the um, Foy Trophy for beating them mm-hmm. 48-45 in football. So um, it's very good times. Football, basketball, baseball, uh, halcyon times. Mm-hmm. Good Don't worry about how long they're going to last. Enjoy it every day. <laughs> okay, Coach Hals, our final question, unless you have something else, would be what advice do you have for Auburn students now? What advice would I have for Auburn students now? Mm-hmm. In the first place, I'm too old to be able to give advice to Auburn students now. This sounds trite. I'd say live life to its fullest. Laugh a lot. But above all, I'd tell Auburn students, I'd tell any young person, seek the truth. 
And don't be afraid of where it might take you. Seek the truth. I'm not so much talking about factual truth, scientific truth, as I am human truth. Relationships uh, between individuals, between groups, between races, between various religions, Islam, Christianity, Jewish religion. Don't be afraid of the truth. Seek the truth and don't be afraid of wherever it may lead. That would be what I would say. I think that's a good place to yeah, end Yeah, I it. think that's a good spot to end. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Coach Housel. Appreciate it. I yeah. appreciate you all asking me.